0: Welcome to Christian Life Church podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. I've had the busiest week I've had in the longest of times this week. I've been in conferences and leadership things, and um, I just want to tell you, I, I, having seen some other contexts, that I feel really blessed to be the pastor of this church. I feel it's a great privilege and an honor to serve you here, and. Um, It's not that those places weren't great, but there's no place like home, is there? There's no place like home. And thank you for your incredible grace towards me and my family, your accepting us back into what has been for many years our home church, and more profoundly for opening up your hearts to all that the Lord wants to do in and through our lives. And uh, thank you all the ladies who made yesterday happen. I hear it was a great day. Olivia, I think, brought a great word from the Lord. And I'm hoping this morning that whatever I'm gonna say to you will have some value to you we're going to finish at one o'clock to the best of my ability that's what we're aiming for okay you're all looking at thinking if you didn't believe there was a god now you need to believe there is a god because i'm not the shortest of speakers but uh, what i have to say to you doesn't need a huge amount of time but it does beyond the moment need a huge amount of consideration i want to talk to you this morning about the continued journey we're having regarding the disciplines that god loves to see in our lives to make us ready for all that he wants to do. And um, I believe these disciplines, we didn't stumble into them by accident. It wasn't just, a, a you know, plucking something out of thin air. I believe God told me to get the church ready for all that he wants to do in and through their lives. And so there's something about that kind of process that is a bit alien to me. I'm an instant person. I'm, I'm the kind of very sensory person. But actually, discipline is really good for the body of Christ. Um, is there anybody here who's run a marathon? Give me a wave if you've ever run a marathon. How crazy is that? Only one person in the whole room has run a marathon. You know, the pastor I was with over the weekend ran four marathons in the space of a week. And he wasn't even thin. I would have been really disappointed. (laughs) Four marathons in the space of a week. He flew to Belfast, he did the London Marathon, he was I think in Brussels somewhere, and he went somewhere else in Scotland. Four marathons in a week. You know, when I was asking him about that ridiculous statement, (laughs) I said, how do you run a marathon? He says, months and months and months of training. And, And of course, you know, that's also true in the spiritual realm. If we want to have longevity with God, if we want to run the race that's set before us, it might require of us some diligence and some discipline. And we start, all of us start with baby steps in these things. And I want to encourage you to keep developing in these areas because I think what happens is we create a breadth and a space and a way for God to be able to move in our lives. And this morning we've arrived at this discipline. It's called a corporate discipline. Corporate because we do it together. It's something that we as a community enjoy. And I want to talk to you about the discipline of worship. Is that okay? If you have the Bible with you this morning, why don't you turn to John chapter 4, I'll come to it in a moment, but I just wanna give you a little bit of, uh, I wanna set this up a little bit for us to understand. I was asking God the other day, what actually happens whenever we worship? And uh, I don't know if you have any answers in your heart that spring up whenever that question is asked. But this is what the Holy Spirit said to me, and I I wanna lay this before you for your consideration. I want you to ponder this, because this actually blew me away. God says when we worship, we experience reality and when I started to think about that I thought that is absolutely right because as you look around you here in this world you might be fooled into thinking that this is reality but actually it's an inferior reality to the reality of the presence and the power and the person of God there is a greater reality that we are called and invited into, and that's the supremacy, and the authority, and the glory of God. And when we worship Him, we move towards that greater reality. We're invited by Him into that greater reality. The second thing the Holy Spirit said to me is this, that when we worship Jesus, when we worship Him in spirit and in truth, and we'll come to that in a minute, we touch, and we are touched by life. And and if you've ever thought this through, the life that you live, the physical life that you live, it was God who gave it to you. This tangible world that you've lived in, the relationships you've had, the essence of who you are, the power of, of, of wanting to engage in life with people and all that that offers, everything about that you did not get by your own means and it wasn't the will of your father and mother either, and we'll just leave that thought to one side. It was God who gave you life. And from life you were created. And for life you are invited. That's why Jesus says in John 10:10, I have come that you may have life. Now, the life he's talking about is not just this earthly life, he's talking about living in the blessing of the real life that is accessible to us through worship. So, They're quite lofty thoughts for a fat Irish fella but I believe that they are important for us to ponder as we consider why we may be disciplined in our worship experience. Worship invites us into knowing, into feeling, into experiencing the resurrected Christ in our midst. It's not songs we're singing. It's not something of a warm-up for the preach. Worship is God's invitation to us to live and to touch the eternal realities of His presence and His power and to be touched and for Him to live in the temporal realities of our lack of power. When we worship God, heaven comes to earth and earth has to get out of the way because earth is the inferior reality than heaven's reality. Worship is breaking into the Shekinah of God, into that that spectacular, glorious reality of who he is and all that is around him. And more importantly for us to think about this morning, worship is that Shekinah glory breaking in on us. Breaking in on us in this world. Now I've been around Christianity for 37 years and I can't tell you the amount of times that I'm so grateful to God that he's broke in on me. Has God ever broken in on you? Do you know what I mean by that? That somehow, in spite of your best efforts, He touches you. There are two things we do in the presence of God. We either pretend or we protest. Those are two realities. And when we come together like this, we could have a multitude of things going on in our lives and be distracted and have all kinds of problems we're facing and carrying responsibilities that are really difficult for us to fathom or work out. Where is God in the midst of that? And then he comes and he comes in such a beautiful way that suddenly whatever it was you were struggling with, whatever it was that was dominating your thought, you only have eyes for him. Because you know he only has eyes for you. And he comes and he touches us. I would say that God has fingers that reach the parts in our souls and in our lives that nobody else could ever touch. He knows who you are. And he knows how to touch you. Would you love him to touch you this morning? This afternoon even? This evening? Don't worry, we won't go on that long. Wouldn't you just want him to touch you? You're nodding, but are you agreeing? Looks like a whole row of those dogs. You know those dogs in the the car. (laughs) Wouldn't you want God to touch you? Why wouldn't you want the glory of God, the preciousness of his power and his presence to come and invade your weary, broken life? Why would you not want that? And yet so often when we come to worship, I think sometimes we just think it's songs. We think we're singing songs. The songs are the vehicle. The destination is his presence. We come and we allow the music to tenderize our hearts. The words lead us to think certain things. But the destination is not the end of the song. It's not the middle eight or the bridge or the big finish. The big finish is that he comes. The big finish is that he's here. And somehow my impoverished life is touched by the eternal reality of a God who has supremacy over all things. And in that moment, heaven invades earth. Heaven comes to earth. When I was first a Christian, people said this of me. They said, Simon, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Pastors told me, you're just a bit naive, boy. Well, I'd rather be naive and heavenly minded than cynical and bitter. If there is a choice to be had, I think I'll go with the first. And you know, I watch, I watch, I'm very, very, very attentive to things. I think it's a gift and sometimes it does feel a little like a curse. But I watch all kinds of things and I watch how God moves amongst people. And I watch how he touches and how he can restore. And just one moment becomes a movement in the hearts of God's people. I would never, ever, ever want to be without that in my life. But the scripture, I think, before we get to the scripture I've offered you, that I want us just to contemplate for a second together, comes from Colossians chapter 3. And this is God's invitation to live with our heads and our hearts poised to the greater realm and reality of his presence. It says, set your minds on things above. In other words, live beyond this natural world. Live with your head and your heart always leaning towards and always orientated to the presence and the power and the person of God. Live with that focus, live with that intentionality. Now, I'm not a fool, I know that many of us at times or over times, have managed to find that reality. But isn't it true that for most of us, that is not necessarily our continued and current state of play? I don't know if you're like me, but things really bother me sometimes down here. Do they bother you? Sometimes life is, is, is hard. Do you find that? Sometimes, with the best will in the world, people criticize you. Have you ever had that? Have you ever been victimized by somebody who just felt it was their God given duty to tell you everything about you that wasn't good? Weren't you tempted to respond with the same level of intercession? (laughs) This world, this reality, can be really hard, it can be very difficult. And that's why I think God is not asking us to be escape artists, to, to, to live without that sense of reality. I always say that God is not an optimist. He's a realist with a very happy disposition. God sees the problems. He knows the difficulties. But he's full of hope. He's full of joy. Obviously, you didn't get the memo, but he's full of joy, full of hope, full of, full of excitement about you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I learned to live in his reality even though I'm living here in my reality? If God is consistently joyous, why do I have to wait till something happens to be joyous? Can't I live in the consistent joy of God? Hello, talk to me. If, if God is all-powerful and I feel so pitiful, in my life, why, why can't I live in the reality of the power that's found in the presence of God? And if that's a consistent invitation, if that's the consistency of God, surely, surely the work of the Holy Spirit and the discipline of our lives is to live from that place, not be subjected to this place. The Apostle Paul, right to the church, is saying, Fix your eyes. On things above. What he's talking about is worship. Live a consistent, worshipful, joyous, connected, spirit to spirit reality day by day in your ordinary life. And look what he says about that. For you died, in other words, living outside of that is something in the past, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him where? How? In glory. You see, if I want to appear in glory, I must first learn to live in the glory of God. I must first be trained and equipped to stay connected to the glory of God. I need the work of the spirit in me and the working of the word through me to stay connected to the eternal reality of the glory of God. Paul the apostle writes it this way. I fix my eyes. In other words, I'm fascinated by Jesus. I'm, I'm distracted by his beauty. I'm caught up with his majesty. I fix my eyes. Why? Because if I don't, this is it. And this is is not easy and this is hard and it's not that God is taking away trials and persecutions from us I think we are clear that the scripture says you will have hardships and you will have problems and you will have difficulties in this world but listen to the tail end of the invitation but take heart in other words align your heart to hope keep consistently connected to joy this is going well you look miserable you lot Be fascinated by his fullness. Let that reality of the king of glory permeate and transfer itself into your ordinary life. And that, my friend, is worship. It's heaven coming into my earth, coming into my life, coming in with its power, coming in with its goodness, coming in with its dominion over all things. Worship is the best way for me to experience that reality day by day, moment by moment. It's not a song I sing, it's a life I choose to live. It's not an A minus seventh going into B flat, how wonderfully moving that can be. That's our emotions being touched by gifts and talents and anointings, but you have access. The veil has been rent into. You have access day after day, night after night to the presence of the glory of God. You have access. He has made a way where there was never a way. I'm gonna start preaching now. It might be past one o'clock. He made a way where there was no way. And if you don't walk that way, if you don't live that way, then you're missing out On the treasure of walking with God in his abundance, infiltrating all of my ordinary and weak life. John chapter 4. Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. They're dialoguing about spiritual things. He opens up a conversation by asking for a drink. And this woman who has hid herself from her culture and her society because of the criticisms of the way she's lived her life finds Jesus in this very ordinary place and has an extraordinary encounter with him. And this is what he says, the tail end of what he's saying. They're talking about worship and what that is and how that looks and what that means. He says, verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Let me just draw you back from your personal perspective on that to what I would call the cosmic reality of that. We're living in an age right now, the time has come and is coming, where God is restoring the joy of worshiping him to the body of Christ. In these last, I don't know, 20 years or so, in just about all kinds of expressive ways, a song has been rising in the heart of the bride of Christ. From nation to nation, you know, at one time it was Hillsong, and they were pioneers, and we all camped around the fire of his presence, those overcoming, triumphant songs of victory and glory. And then we moved into Maverick City, that eclectic mix of all kinds of people from all kinds of nations and somewhere in the middle of that, Africa rose. Amen. 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 And Sanat, is it Sanach? Yes. She declared over the earth she's no longer a slave. The lion has come. God is doing great things. The song became huge in the world. And I want to tell you that God is raising up worshipers. God is raising up worshipers. And the thing about that to remember is this, that this is prophesying that. A time is coming and has now come when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know, it's no longer about denominations. It's no longer about fractions and segregation of people. The song of the Lord that's rising in the hearts of his people It's the sound of the bridegroom returning. It's the sound of the bride saying, come Lord Jesus. And it's got nothing to do with denominations and nothing to do with with man's orchestration of who is or who isn't the most or the least important person. It's God touching hearts, invading lives, awakening people to the reality of his presence and his power. Aren't you grateful for that? And you know, I can't keep up with the songs that are coming out of all of the places all over the world. I mean, you go crazy trying to find all these wonderful things, but it's not just about those songs. It's about what's happening in the hearts of God's people. And why is God awakening the church with music and melody and worship and lament and proclamation and prophecy? I tell you why. Because the song will herald the return of Jesus Christ. The sound that you're hearing is the bride Getting ready for the bridegroom. The sound that you're hearing is the oil in the lamp of intimacy that longs for the consummation in eternity of the bridegroom and the bride coming. Now, these are lofty thoughts. Wake up, don't go to sleep. I know your heart, I'm sticky too. But God is doing something in His body to make us ready for the return of Jesus. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. And that burning. Is the song of the Lord rising in the hearts of his people as Jesus is making himself ready to return? If you're not musical, it doesn't matter because worship isn't about music. And you know, I look around, and some of you look like you know you've lost a fiver and found a pound. <laughs> and if misery was a career, you'd be brilliant at it. You probably have a PhD. It's not about those those nuances of what's happening with the music. It's about allowing eternity to become your reality. It's allowing the window when the spirit comes and invites us to God in worship to fill and overwhelm you with heaven's power and heaven's goodness here on earth. And look what it says. The time has come and has now come when the true worshippers, that's true worship. When it's not led by people, orchestrated by programs, not facilitated by religious protocols, worship that comes spontaneously from hearts that long for him. God is looking for true worship. And the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. What is that? What does that mean? Now, if you go to the authorized version of the Bible, you will notice the word spirit does not have a capital letter. Okay, in the authorized version of the Bible, the the word spirit is not singing in tongues. Okay, somehow in my translation, it looks like it's been changed, but I remember studying this many years ago at Bible college. It's not singing in the spirit. And it is singing in the spirit. I'll come to that in a second. You see, at least one third of you already gets this. Do you know that your body, soul, and spirit, touch your hand for me, that's your body. In fact, if you could just clap them together and say how much you appreciate the sermon, that would be really good, just keep going. Okay. <laughs> that, that's your body. Your soul is your intellect, it's your personality, It's your memory, it's your dreams, it's your aspirations, that's your soul. And Jesus is working in both your body and in your soul. And the reason he works in your body and in your soul, primarily in your soul, may you prosper as your soul prospers. There's a work in there. It's because your spirit has been made new. And you, if you're born again here today, one third of you already gets this. The Spirit of God inside of you already gets this. And your spirit lives consistently in a posture of worship and adoration. Your spirit, have you ever woke up in the morning and you're singing a Christian song and you went to bed last night listening to Whitney? (laughs) Who do you think gave you the song? Your spirit lives in consistent adoration. Consistently, night and day, your spirit declares the greatness of God over you, your life, over the world. While you're sleeping, your spirit is wide awake. <sighs> your hard work this morning, church. Your spirit's wide awake, okay? And it's living in consistent communion. It has permanent access to the reality and the realm and the reign of God. You are a worshiper by definition and by design. This is not something you have to try and do. It's something you need to accept that you already do. And the Spirit of God at work in you will keep you consistently drawn back to Him. And God is looking. And that's the thing that I think is probably the most profound thing that I want to say to you today is that sometimes worship feels for me like we're looking for God. God. You know, if we could just sing the right song, I could get to the right place. Have you ever prayed those prayers? If the pastor would just say amen and we could get on with the worship, come on, who, tell, who prays those prayers? I, can, I know you. I see you. Like somehow there's some magic key that opens up that realm for you? No. See, it's not that we're seeking God. It's good for us to posture our hearts before him. That's, that's the, the heart that says I get this and I know who you are Jesus and I want you. And I want you, Jesus, all day, every day, not just on a Sunday or when I'm having a quiet time or where somebody sings a good song. I want you all the time. You're my life. You're my bread. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my fullness. You're my blessing, Jesus. You are the love that I have longed for. Why would I neglect you and segregate you down to a 10-minute slot at the beginning of a service? I want to live in consistent communion with the reality of who you are. I want to live postured, ready to receive all that you desire to pour into me from the realm in which you reign and rule because I need that here on this earth but more than any of this it's not us seeking God it's the Father seeking us and he's seeking worshipers, those who love to be with him years ago in this church when it was up the road a young lady stood in the congregation Not the singer you would want to lead. She opened her mouth. I don't know what key she was in, but it was assorted. (laughs) And she began to sing. And as she sang, the room filled with the presence of God. We were weeping and crying. Some people were repenting, but enough about the elders (laughs) and the pastors. God was here. She had understood that the father had been inviting her for weeks into his presence. Always inviting. He was seeking her. She went off to the Philippines. She spent time, hours and hours, just cultivating the presence of God in her life. And she was no great musician or certainly no great singer. But she knew him. And when she began to sing... That invitation she'd been experiencing became our invitation through her to meet with him. It's a precious thing, a sacred thing, a holy thing for us to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I wonder, I often wonder, if I lived that reality more than I live in this reality, how different would my reality be here on earth? I often wonder that if I became more heavenly minded, (laughs) I might be some more earthly good to God. If my heart longed more and more and more to be in His presence in that way, if I allowed His invitations to become manifestations in my heart and my life, what kind of life would I have here? And that life that Jesus talks about, and with this, I'll shut up and keep my promise to you you'll owe me something for it. This life that Jesus promised, I have come that you should have life and life in all its fullness is this life. It's not a Mercedes car. It's not a house on a hill. Because all of that, however good it is this week, will be old by next week. It's not a career move. It's not even a relationship with somebody here on the earth. All of those things are temporal. The life Jesus invites us to is the eternal reality and consistency of the God who has supremacy over all things. And while all of these things, they satisfy for a moment or two, the longing of your heart, the truest longing of your heart, is to be with him. That's the deepest longing of every human heart. And for those of us who have been brought by Jesus before him and offered to God As children to him, we have the most exceptional privilege on the planet. Jesus made a way for you to live where there was no way. You could not get to God and God could not get to you because of your sin. But Jesus made a way where there was no way. Let's come home. Let's come back to the heart of worship. And that is that the Father is seeking us to worship him. In spirit, our spirit, the spirit, his great spirit, and in truth. The revelation of all that Jesus has accomplished for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth here as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, for only you can satisfy. And forgive us our trespasses, as we seek with all heart and intent to forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us away from the temptation of living independently to you, God. We are no longer orphans. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Lead us away from that temptation, and deliver us from the evil it produces. For thine is the kingdom, Thine is the real kingdom. Thine is the real, real kingdom. And the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, church. I hope you enjoy him this week. He likes to be enjoyed. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week.